you couldn't wait another couple of seconds because then we could have had that and that could have been a great little outtake. I was just telling John about the last time that you needed an agenda for an outtake. Do you want me to repeat it? You can. We'll see if it's contrite now. It's going to be totally... Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Clinicians Real Chats podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Murray, a podiatrist and strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra, Australia. And I'm Kit Wisdom. I'm a physiotherapist currently studying a somatic psychotherapy and I'm in Melbourne, Australia. So to keep with the the theme, one episode with a guest, one episode without, we've now gotten another guest for today. Yay! Yeah, so, someone else has agreed to chat. Someone else has come in, yes. <laughs> For like a deep... Oh, we have nice... We, I think like we actually have relaxing chats. I feel like we should... We, we'd be nice people to talk to. And I think I think we're okay. I mean, we could ask John at the end of the, the potty, John, whether or not you think that we're nice people to chat to, but... I think you can answer it now. We've been talking for an hour before this. Uh, but we'll bring, we'll bring him in. Come in, uh, John, and, and uh, I'll get you to introduce yourself and, and what you do. You've got a few interesting interesting projects going on. Hmm. Hey, guys. Um, yes, my name's uh, John Contreras. I'm a, a physiotherapist here based in, in Melbourne, and I'm, I'm quite excited to talk to you guys. I'm actually a little bit nervous about this chat, even though we have had a little chat, and, I, and I've known both of you for, for, for some time. I am a bit nervous. I'm excited. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so what was the question? I forgot. I got excited with my... Your name. My Your name. name. John. <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> Fun fact, and... my, my parents, my mum had to enforce the John. Dad wanted to call me Juan. My parents are from, from Chile. Uh, and mum was like, no, he's going to be an Australian kid, so it has to be John. Oh, wow. So I missed out on being like the sixth Juan in a row. Juan. Mm. Oh. Anyway, but yeah, you, very difficult you, to say for most Australians, but you, you do quite well. Well done. Oh, you could have you. you could have done the the double. There's we've got a guy in Canberra who's Juan Pablo. That's hyphenated. Well, yeah, and it would have been Juan Antonio. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Ja doesn't have doesn't have the same. No. Zing. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, oh. but <laughs> I forgot, forgot what we were talking about. The, your projects. You, have, you haven't talked oh, about the, projects, the other things you do. Projects. Yeah, look, so, so I work as a, as a physio here in Melbourne and I work in, in private practice these days uh, at a couple of different places. But I also like doing lots of other things. I get I get kind of, uh, I, I, I'm excited within the world of healthcare and, and, and also the, the different communities that, that we can build with patients, but also amongst ourselves. So, um, so over the last few years, I've slowly started building this concept that I'm going to say maybe three years ago, kind of became the Physio Social Club. And it was something that probably existed well beyond Melbourne has been, and, and well before my time in the idea of health pr- practitioners, people who work in a similar field, who understand each other's daily challenges, coming together and, and just uh, supporting each other, sharing, sharing things that happen to each other and, and looking for maybe a little bit of guidance and a bit of... Um, 
feeling a little bit lost and a little bit alone. So at, at uh, pre-COVID, I'd say it was more coffee catch-ups with people like Kit and some of my other colleagues here in Melbourne and where invariably we'd talk not about the di- you know, differential diagnoses of injuries or the timeline of particular injuries, but you know the fact that sometimes at work you get uh, quite anxious that a patient's not getting better. And it's not about the clinical side of it, but how do you deal with your own anxiety or mm-hmm. the fact that you're lost in, in your, your career path and you're not sure where do you go to next and some of these big challenges. So we started having these conversations, then COVID hit just as we were about to do some bigger things. And we, like everyone in Melbourne and Australia in particular, but I'd say definitely here in Melbourne, we made this pivot, which was the key word. I think that was word of the year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we pivoted to online and we had to learn how to use Zoom and we would have these cool conversations. So uh, that's kind of evolved. And today is some face-to-face events here in Melbourne. It's uh, a lot of online stuff and a lot of informal stuff of phone calls and conversations. And we've recently started a little potty to use Kit's uh, yes. terminology. Oh, wow. Uh, you got it in there. Uh, yeah, I did get it in there. Yeah. We were just discussing before we started, Alex, that John's um, kind of awkwardness around the word potty. Like He quite liked it, but found it hard to kind of roll off the tongue <laughs> about describing a podcast. So. Yeah, um, I think I go with pod. I think I pod. use pod. But then okay. how do you feel about us taking that word from you, Alex. Oh. 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 Oh, no, no. I don't think anyone's really, yeah. I took me a second to be like, what do you mean? It's it's pod, podcast. It's, it's but podiatrist, yes. He's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fussed. Yeah. It's it's interesting what you, what you said, like when you were talking about um, setting up a social club and... Um, it's something because I've been on like professional association boards and you know all that sort of stuff, and we sort of talk always about like the need for networking and like we need more just events. And they say networking, it's really just like you go to a place and there's like cheap drinks and people can just have a chat and they can turn up whenever they want, etc. So it's just like a, a space. Um, but they haven't always been popular, but there's also just been this kind of a a drive for them to include value or something and CPD or something that, that gets, so people turn up and they're like, there's a reason to turn up. I've got to do the CPD. And it's, it's interesting. I'm, I want to know your thoughts about this. Cause I'm, I'm completely sort of lost in this space. Do you, are we, have we sort of gotten, gone too far in like a productive sense and gone, you know, we need to have value out of our time and get CPD points and use it. Is there, is there actually mm. people starting to come back and realize the benefits of, of being more social and just chatting or are people's lives generally just getting too busy that we don't leave space for mm. that kind of stuff. I, I agree with what you, you know, with the sentiment there that, that, that it is, a, it's a challenge in space because I think as, as a profession, and when I say profession, I'll say healthcare, healthcare, uh, allied health, networking has a, has a particular connotation. It is, okay, it's at a conference or there's you know, a, a lecture on before or after there's a keynote speaker, I'm going to learn something. And I always, that never interested me with, with the idea of networking. It's more just meeting people. And it probably stems from the fact that my career has been shaped by some amazing people that I've met along the way that had very little to do with education. It was more, I came across good people who wanted to help me out and listen to me 
give me some guidance, point me in a particular direction. And the drive for what we now call the Physio Social Club was to create an environment that might create or will foster those that, that environment. And so when we have these events here in Melbourne, it is very much, there is, well, we do have an agenda. There is a, to- a talking point, but it's not about CPD, you know, and I always find that when I have great conversations with, with fellow, with colleagues, it's rarely about the clinical side of stuff. And so, because that's where, okay, let me, let me see if I can say this in a uh, somewhat diplomatic way. I always felt that going to a conference or to a course, there was an element of hierarchy and essentially a bit of a pissing contest as to, you know, who knows more, where's the hierarchy, do you, do you know more than I do, can I learn from you, and very that, that linear approach, as opposed to a group of people who all understand each other's work in life and being able to kind of, who knows where this goes. So uh, one of the other things I do is I, I, I teach workshops and run workshops, um, and I love that side of the, the job. It's, it's probably what's kept me doing this for, I think I'm, I'm nearly clocking 22 years uh, in, as, a, as a physio. And what I love about those things is the opportunity to meet other, other professionals who understand me and I understand them at some level. And so whenever I run a workshop, it's always, all right, the workshop's gonna run from nine till four and then we're gonna have drinks afterwards. Now, not that I wanna advocate alcohol or, or drink, but it's more, this is the conduit for us to kind of now, let's ditch all that knowledge aside and let's just chat and get to know each other so and and over the years experiencing that i thought there is a real lack of that in our industry you know we, we're such um we're, we're so we're, we're a warm group of people we want to help people we're very empathetic we listen we you know we want to share and help and support yet we don't have the opportunity to do it with each other so for me working in private practice, I'm in a room like right now, I'm in a consult room. And if I'm lucky, I might spend you know, a tiny fraction of my day having an opportunity to connect with my colleagues. I have to actually go out of my way. So I either have to stay late or a, a little mm-hmm. admin break. I kind of use up to have a coffee with somebody and have a chat and check in. And it's it's hard work. It's, it's really hard work. And so the idea of, um, social club is to try and take away as much of that hard work as possible and and it's been fun it's been really enjoyable i've made so many new friends it sounds that sounds a bit cliche but but i have <laughs> i've made some really nice connections with new people that I, I otherwise wouldn't have met so so that drives me to keep keep doing this and and, I, and hopefully again you know this idea of the social club is nothing new um it's just sometimes it needs a bit of a nudge bit of a push to make it happen i love that John and I mean I've I've loved our conversations over the years and just watching how much our dialogues kind of um, energize both of us but then watching you kind of put together the social club and and doing so much hard work to take the hard work out for others I really admire that um, the thing that popped up when you were talking just then especially around the knowledge piece and kind of you know creating space for being with each other it's like who are we without the knowledge if we if we kind of parked it like where does that leave us and I, it's a question I don't know, like I don't have an answer right now, but it's just what popped up. And do we do we spend time, like you're talking about, um, investing in that? And, and like Alex said, is there time in life to invest in that outside of then, you know, partner, dinner, chores, admin, you know, all the other things? 
Um, I think that's what I love the most about Social Club is that I can see your intention around wanting to carve out a space where, yeah, we've got to put a little agenda about what we're going to talk about because we've got to speak to that part of us that's kind of like, what am I going to get out of this? You know, because that's been how we've sort of been, I suppose, grown up in our learning communities is there's got to be something that I get out of it and I need to know that before I commit. Structure. My certificate of completion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. My CPD points. Yeah. Look, the the topics we, you know, just so that the listeners know, the topics that we cover have been, I found it hard to to be able to put the message out as to what we're going to talk about. So to give you, we still put titles on it, but we've spoken about this year, the role of mentorship in physio, which was really about support and and nourishment as, as a young clinician. We had one that was titled A Beginner's Guide to Physio, where we had a panel of physios of range of different, you know, from five years experience, 10 years, 15 plus, to talk about, you know, some of the advice and some of the tips they would give their younger selves about, you know, who, who are about to start this journey. And again, it wasn't about making sure you know your anatomy. It was, you know, there was, there was mm. a lot more human, human centered than that. We've spoken about the concept of creativity within physio and where do we have space for that creativity when, when, you know, our, our learning environment is so uh, stepwise, so linear, and, and we do do it. But we, you know, and we found out in this conversation that we ex- we explore our creativity by individualizing everyone's rehab program. That's one way we kind of get to do it. You know, every time you tape an ankle, you might do something a little bit different. Or you know, we're not we're not technicians. We don't have a we have a script. We might have a script, but every consultation is a little bit different, and that gives us an opportunity to be a little bit creative. But otherwise, it's really hard to be creative as a physio. Um, and we, we had a brief conversation before we started here on, on social media, and I think that gives an outlet for, for some people to be a little bit mm. creative. Um, and, and so, yeah, so we've spoken about creativity. We've spoken about innovation and what is innovation. And I, every now and again, we get some guest speakers to come in and, and give us some information. My favorite one this year was uh, the, well, I think it was called the role of social media or the effect of social media on healthcare. And so I had... Uh, a couple of colleagues who are really prominent on social media about their experience and, and what what is the effect of social media both as, as us, as, as clinicians, towards our patient, the messages we give, the challenges, the imposter syndrome, the fear of being trolled, the anxiety of should I hit post or should I not? What are people going to say? Mm. Uh, it's, it's been really fascinating, but I'm glad that we haven't discussed a meniscal tear once in any of our conversations, even though that is quite important. Uh, and the way I, I explained it to a colleague once uh, who was trying to understand what we do, and I said, look, basically the Physio Social Club is the staff room, the staff room at little environment that you have in a clinic. If, you, if you're lucky for those people out there who are lucky to work in a larger clinic where you have a staff room, you know that's your sanctuary. You know, mm. you go in there, you close the door, and you don't have to be that professional anymore. You put your feet mm. up on the chair, you sit back, you crack a few jokes, you scroll your phone, you talk a bit of rubbish, you talk about the errors, you made the mistakes. Hey, here's a story of how I was just, I just made a fool of myself before. Uh, and you have a laugh, you let your guard down. And that's that. That's what's kept me in the, in the industry, I'll be honest, it's, it's that. And whenever I've looked for, mm. for work, more probably the highest, the thing I rank the highest in a clinic when I'm thinking about going to work somewhere is what's their staff room environment like? And does it facilitate that nourishment for me? So, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I wonder this because, like, when I think about other 
professions and I'm, I'm i'm thinking i'm thinking like so much of like corporate stuff or i mean to be to be fair as well it's all could also be like lots of trades and stuff but just people who sort of pick up and put down their job and in the sense that you know you go to work you do your time you come out and there's a lot of people have very distinct hobbies and very distinct and that's where the creative energy go and that's where a lot of stuff and that's that's not not uh not bad at all but i wonder how we differ and how you know when in our profession you know we're not dealing with work or challenges or things where we're dealing with something that's isolated we're dealing often with other people uh, it's a human, all of our work is based around dealing with other people and that that has its its impact and yeah it's, it's interesting because then we, we throw in the environment that we're in we're often in small practices or areas where we don't get that connection I, I, I don't know I, I don't know where I'm exactly going with this but I see a difference with other people where they have that sort of space um, and, and somewhat almost like a detachment where they sort of just sit out of work or there's this environments in built into work where they're you know you go to after work drinks um, there's a there's a very clear path there or you know they have their their club and I, I feel like we kind of sometimes get a little bit sort of stuck in between because we don't mm. have that, we don't, we're doing such things that's quite intense and sometimes completely turning off that and going just diving into our straight into our, like another completely different hobby or something. Like it doesn't allow us to reflect and deal with and, you know, but do we have that space to do it? If we're in a clinic and we're dealing with people and we've got to deal with the admin, then you've got to go home to a family. Like do, do people have the space for the, for, for as much of, of that? Um, you know, I, I might be showing my public, uh, servant bias here where everyone sort of finishes at five and <laughs> you know when I say corporate it might it might just be I might be talking a bit different again but yeah all your lawyer friends are coming back into your brain well that most of them are public servants yeah 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 my wife's the only one who's like really private <laughs> I think it's interesting I think there's lots of things popping up in my brain I'm just trying to figure out which one to follow um but I suppose my bias comes through around, um, like your what you're doing, John, is a social club, but it also has like these intentions around connecting, about deeper conversations, around trying to bring emergent conversation, you know, the conditions for emergence, so that we can create the the safety, if you like, or the the putting aside the the anatomical speak or the um, you know the stuff that makes it feel a bit a, a bit more structured, if you like, or like you have to show up a certain way. Um, I think that's what I'm really interested in. And obviously we're trying to do it here, but noticing that there's more people out there doing it um, and that there's an intentionality around it, that you do want people to come and feel like they can have an, a voice and a, an opinion and and that can be heard and, and not, um, you know, um, not be necessarily just opposed. It can just be one of many opinions in the room. Um, and I think that's something that we need to cultivate more of and we were you know we're chatting about this again before off air around the polarity in in healthcare and how finding spaces where there is nuance and there is genuine curiosity and there is like this first and foremost want to connect as a human being knowing that we deeply know that that's actually going to facilitate more like we know that but it's hard to access sometimes um, and so that's what I'm most interested in is sort of like, what are we actually intentionally trying to create here that allows something a bit newer or a bit different or a bit, a bit more generative 
um, to actually exist in, in healthcare? Yeah, look, I, it's, it's a challenge, right? Because it's, it's going to be different for everyone. And, and one of the mm. things I've, I've as, as you appreciate, we're all influenced by our own experiences. And I've, I've over the years, have changed jobs a number of times and gone into environments where I was quite uncomfortable. Uh, I felt mm. out of my depth, like I didn't have the knowledge base, whether that was as a, as a, as a physio, younger physio, when I moved overseas, moved to London, I worked, and I transitioned out of physio into a gym, and then suddenly I'm with all these amazing, you know, personal trainers, S and C coaches, incredible physiques. Uh, then I moved into a Pilates world where I was, you know, a fish out of water, and then coming back to Melbourne and working in a sports physio practice where I wasn't a sports physio, and so mm. I've had that experience of um, not feeling. Uh, what's the word? Not feeling comfortable, being awkward, feeling you know that imposter syndrome, that that or the, mm. the hierarchy, that the, where I want to be, so far away from where I am. Mm. But at the same time, being able to go well, I know now all the little things that helped me along the way, and it was these conversations, and it was the staff room environment, like you know, um, for for the listeners, Kit and I worked together for for some time, and that staff room was a place where suddenly I was equal. Mm. And we're just all there together trying to get through the day, essentially. And and so I noticed that that's that's something I really look for. So whenever I meet younger physios, I'm, if they want to have a coffee with me and a catch up, if they want to, you know, I'm always mm. saying yes, because it was so important to me in my development that mm. I think there's, in, in the conversation, I listened to the conversation you had with Em uh, recently on, on one of the previous pods, and it was nice to hear her experience with, with that, with speaking with yourself, Kit, mm. and, and being on, on the pod and speaking to her mentor as well. It's like, yeah, the, the, it is possible. It doesn't, we don't mm. always have to feel so uncomfortable. It's, it, and as you say, Alex, it's challenging enough, the fact that we, we deal with humans. It's not a spreadsheet. It's not a proposal we have to put together. It's not a budget. We have to just throw numbers around. It's, we've got a human being who's got their own drives and emotions and experience. And, and we have to do it in a second when they walk in the door and suddenly in two minutes have to have an answer. Like it's bloody hard. And so mm. I think that's the general premise that what we do in healthcare is extremely, it's a very hard job. It's very taxing. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves for little financial reward across, you know, if we compare it to other industries and it's a whole other conversation. So we need to look mm. for other ways to get nourishment. And I think for me, it's worked for me. And so, mm. and, and the more people I talk to, I'm like, well, I think we all get a little, we all feel a little bit better when we make these connections. Mm. So can I ask John, um, maybe just in particular about listening to like a, a conversation with like an M, you know, a new grad and, and what we're talking about. Um, what is it for you that that you enjoy listening to sort of a conversation like that or like what's the experience like for you like because you were i was just also noticing you were like rubbing kind of like where your heart space was like it, it felt like it was kind of quite a meaningful um thing for you oh, i feel very vulnerable now when you say that i was going to make oh. a joke but i won't make a joke because i normally that's my that's my approach to that's your go-to that's my go-to okay um What's the what's the reflection? I think once let me get my thoughts together. Within physiotherapy, and apologies for being so 
short-sighted with my terminology to the point where even the so physio social club here's a, here's a uh, um, an exclusive for you guys there might be a change in name going into 2024 to make it a little bit more inclusive hot tip don't worry i'm used to being left out it's all good <laughs> we're so far away from the head and Oh. <laughs> I'm going to rub my heart. That, that yeah. 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 Um, guys, uh, look, I think... Where was I going with this? When... In terms of consuming information, so when podcasts came around, I'm, kind of, I'm going to bring this back around to listen to your, your conversations, conversations with Em and, and, um, uh, and, and the other guests that you've had. It was always about consuming more information to become better. The more mm. I know, the better I, the more information I have, the better I can filter that out and help my patients. And uh, it was always, it felt like I was always behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, I'm chasing, I'm, it's, there's a carrot on a stick that's way too far. And no matter what mm. happens, I'm never going to get there because there's always another expert to come in with the latest research and the latest research. And I did find them fascinating. I still do, to be mm. honest. I still find them fascinating. But that's mm -hmm. different to finding them helpful. And after I just kind of got exhausted going down that path and realized actually where my learning now lies, and this is going to be different for every clinician, is more internally and more on the reflection of, of with my patients. So what did I do here? Why did I go there? And this, I'll, I'll be honest, this a lot of this thought process has been molded by our conversations kit over the years mm. of trying to be a little bit more this concept of reflection because reflection the way I had been taught it and even got it re-exposed to it doing my sports masters was you still reflecting on the process what actions did you do not necessarily yeah. what thought processes did you go through or how did you feel in that moment and what can you do differently mm -hmm. and so hearing conversations from health professionals like yourselves about that's that slower environment the the internalization a little bit more and reflecting and pausing and stopping has been really nice because it still it does two things for me one is it satisfies my productivity urge you know that mm -hmm. i'm doing something that i've got another tab open on my list of on my you know my uh on my computer mm. but it also encourages me to just go you know what you, you can still progress by being still and develop. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I use this analogy all the time when I'm, when I'm teaching a workshop about you know, strength training or Pilates or whatever it may be. And I use this story, the, the analogy of learning a language that I wouldn't expect anybody to, you know, I want to learn French and then you, you want to start with poetry. So I'm like, you know what, we're going to just start with the sounds. We're going to start with mm -hmm. the alphabet. Let's just start there. And you're going to just ruin the whole, if you try and say a sentence, it's not going to sound great, but that's okay. You just got to practice it. It's practice. And, mm. it's, and listening to your conversations, I find is part of that practice. It's part yeah. of that, that process of, okay, I'm not quite there yet. And hopefully, I, you know what, I'll probably never get there where I feel satisfied that I can now internalize and reflect and, and, and my, I've, I've nailed clinical practice. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Mm. Well, I know that'll never happen. But listening to your conversations helps me go, okay, there is another way. That's probably the way I'll say it. There's another way. It's not just another uh, randomized control trial or another systematic review. No, no, I have, there's knowledge within me and my friends and even my patients that I can mm. learn and, and move forward. But maybe that's, that's a time thing. You know, I think maybe just being a little bit older, you know, knowing that, um, knowing what I don't know, 
and being happy with that, being comfortable in that, being mm. comfortable in the type of clinician I am. Um, a lot of the pressures of, you know, can I hold a caseload? All those kind of pressures that get put on you as an employee, and I'm sure many of the listeners, you know, are you holding a caseload? Are you seeing your patients 2.8 times the, yeah. or whatever these numbers get thrown around? I don't worry about that anymore. Um, mm. And so then I can look at some other areas of my of my practice. And this your, these conversations that I listen help and facilitate that. Mm. How, how much of that, because you talk about time and you talk about, oh, okay, now I'm older. Yeah, how much of, of that being able to settle and sit is comes from that time and not so much the the like the experience of like I know how to do things now but coming sort of from in a way you realize that the world's not going to fall apart because mm. I look at that as you going you know you said you know I've got 22 years you've got 22 years of holding down you know a caseload and a job and a and a you know employment and you know there's going to be other opportunities and you've been uncomfortable before and how much of that is just going oh yeah it's fine now because like you know what's going to happen you know i i've i've done this all before there can't be something catastrophic that's going to come out of nowhere um just from you know the basic day-to-day i think i think there's that's definitely part of it i've, I've gone through some you know challenging moments in my career um and like you say, the world didn't fall apart. You, know, you, you continue, so there's there's that. I've made mistakes with patients where um, either things have been missed or I haven't, you know, completed, uh, you know, what I thought I should do. And, you know, and, and again, things things are okay at the end. So so there's that element of it. Um, it it reminds me you you guys had a chat when you were chatting to M. And Em and I crossed paths a few years ago. That's why I yeah. keep referring to her. So hearing her, it was really cool to hear her, her story. Um, but there was a question around university education and, and what's the role of university. And, and it mm. kind of made me think at the time, you know, what, what's the time scale for learning? Mm. Okay, what, is there a time scale? And mm. so even the other day, there was a post somewhere or maybe a, some, some post, someone was asking about what are the key things that a student should come out of university? What, are the, what should they be able to do as a graduate? It's like, well, that's a, I don't know. Like, is, I don't know what's the value of that question even. It's just, it, there's too many parts below that to, to be able to say, as a mm. new graduate physio, you should be able to do this. Um, and, and so the, the idea of, it's experiential learning and it never it never ends, it continues. And I think as a, when I was younger, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, well, I, I should know this by now. I should mm. know this by now. And whereas now as I'm older, it's like, well, yeah, okay. I know that I could know that if I really put the energy in, but that's going to be at the cost of something else. You know, it's that whole um, work-life balance that that there is no balance, or, or homeostasis isn't static. It it, it goes from mm. one side to the other, and you're kind of hoping to stay within a band that's manageable. So, so I am a little bit more comfortable in my skin as a clinician. If I don't know something, or I'm unsure, I'm happier in the sense that you know what, it's okay. I can. I can explore that if I need to. Um, and so that does make me a little bit calmer, but also then, yeah, the right headspace to then take on board some of the, the concepts that you guys talk about being a bit slower. Hmm. So I guess, I don't know, does, does that mean that a younger physio could do it? Maybe, probably, yes. Or could I have done it? I'll say no, but that was my journey. Uh, it's just taken me this long to get there. 
Well, I think it's an interesting point, though. It recently came up in our last Hakomi week because we were getting to the end of our um, second year. So we'd finished learning the method as in like the nuts and bolts that people really want to learn is the things, you know, and um, third year is going to be about mostly about integration um, and supervision. But it was interesting at the end of that, what came up again in the room was this fear around, I don't know it yet. And it was so interesting because it happens everywhere. And like this person's ahead of me and they've got it better and I'm not there. And just this this rising feeling of anxiety of like what you said at the beginning, John, like I'm just so far behind. And, you know, again, if you sit with that, is that is that physiologically, that space that we're inhabiting, is it actually a place where we can actually learn and consume and integrate? I'd argue probably no, because we're more concerned about the fact that we're not somewhere where we think we should be. You know, so I think I'd argue like, you know, there's more space these days, hopefully, in, in places like physio and podiatry where we can go, you know, like, how do you learn? You know, um, just being able to speak to the, the people that I work with and they now have a really good understanding that they're visual learners who really like verbal dialogue as a way to actually figure out their thought process. You know, obviously, again, like we're talking about in a place where they feel like they're not going to be met with judgment, but they know that more about themselves now. You know, and I think that's fantastic information that can then take them down a different learning pathway or they might, how do they choose what courses they go to? Like, I think there is more discernment happening out there, but, you know, again, that's coming with more kickback in like the healthcare systems and, you know, learning about neurodivergence and like learning about the spectrum of sensitivity, you know, and highly sensitive people. It's another whole space when you take that into like a learning frame there's so many different accommodations or things we need to consider just to allow that person to access learning, you know, or knowledge. Um, I could go on a massive tangent, but I think, you know, I, I hope that there's more awareness and more discussions and this is going to be, if not integrated from a university point of view, each individual, like an M, who's like already putting into place things that support her learning and then when she does get pulled out with those thoughts of like, shit, I'm behind or I don't know enough, she can recognise them and go, okay, that's really normal. And like you said, there's so much we need to try and know or get around dealing with complex humans that, again, we bring that, that self-compassion piece comes in that can settle us. We can rub our hearts, John, because it's beautiful. It is, it is meaningful work what we do. And I think we need to bring that compassion for ourselves in because that's how we're going to connect back in to being a human who works with humans. Yeah, I, I think it uh, brings to mind when you talk about the education that we still, and yeah, just the way it is, we have this transactional approach to education. I'm going to yeah. give up this day and I get this information. I'm going to yeah. pay this amount of money and I get this education. And mm. over the last, I want to say two months, I've probably caught up with three or four physios here in Melbourne, young physios who want to talk about the question of should I should they do their sports masters, their masters of sports physiotherapy, mm. and will it be worth it? They're at a point in their career where they feel like they need to make a, a move, a change. They're ready to upskill, or, or or they want to get a new role, and, and therefore this is a, an important stepping stone. And I think all of them, in, in their own way, said the same thing, which was, "I'm not sure I'm going to get good value for money." Mm. I'm not going to get much out of this. I don't know because I've got all the information. I've, I've, I've got the, the articles and I've read them all and I've done the courses. So is it worth it? Mm. And, and I kind of 
I answered that question by telling them my experience going through my masters and, and, and I went into it with a different, I didn't feel like I knew it all at all. Like I felt like I'm not even going to get accepted into this course because I haven't really done much sports. I did it when I was very young as a physio, moved away into the world of Pilates. And that was so different from sports physio that I, I didn't feel, I had my own angst about going into the sports physio course. Mm. But what I got out of it is it challenged how I thought and made me think a little bit differently. I heard mm. different ways of thinking and I met other physios who were as confused and lost as I was and made some really cool friends. That's what I got from my, and then the APA decided to give me a title as well. But, but that's what I got out of it. I learned, I got put in a situation where I had to think and reflect. And I used to love these tutor questions where uh, the tutor would put out a question, very simple question. Uh, I remember we were doing a pain unit. Uh, and, um, and so then it was, you got marked on, and this is a whole nother thing, but part of it was your engagement in the conversation. But because I was always a little bit late to the conversation, all the cool points that could be easily made from the lecture notes were taken. Right? And so I'd jump on late and I'd be like, oh, okay, so I can't say that. I can't just say, yes, I agree with them. What do I really think about this? And it made me kind of go, well, in this point, I've had this experience with patients and that doesn't really work. You know, we we're talking about mm. pain education. And, I, and so sometimes I'd start with like, well, I've stuffed this up so many times before and I've got mm -hmm. it wrong. It, yeah, it makes sense in my head, but I, I find it hard to filter out physio jargon to human jargon. So mm. that's that's my involved, and that was my input into it. And then they would kick off a conversation, and and I was like, wow, I really like this. I like this how we're not talking about what we're saying, but the how and how it makes us feel and how awkward we feel. Mm. And and so coming out of that process and and now saying, okay, now I'm a sports physio. For me, what I realized is it wasn't about knowing how you know, diagnose a particular injury or how to rehab. It was more how to talk to people and communicate with them a lot better. And so mm -hmm. that that's what I said to these young physios. I said, look, that's the value of the, of the program. It's up to you now to make, you know, whether you want to put the dollars and, and, and time and if you feel that's worth it. But that you're not you're not getting information. You're getting an experience. And, and how you change through that process is very much up to you. But mm -hmm. we're not... I think it was, I was fortunate that I had a lot of really nice people around me, uh, both in the physio and sport and, and healthcare world and, and outside, um, who, without any intent of helping me become a better student, helped me become mm. a better student. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm thinking about uh, what you sent me the other day, Kit. It reminded me yesterday, where you're like, what is this trend with people oh, on Instagram? Yes tick boxing tick boxing things and so like the thing that's um really sort of latched latched on is is that transactional you know you're talking about john the transactional nature of things and i think that's such a good such an interesting sort of insight because then when you really look at that lens and then you sort of look everywhere else it's kind of almost like in a way we can get trapped in that lens across everything patient x comes in to get value out of the console. Okay, so how do I go and get more value? What do I need to know more? What do I need to do? And it's you, we're sort of almost in a way like blocking out a significant part of what it is to be a healthcare professional, what it is to have an experience, what it is to be a human being is, is sort of that, mm. that experience. I mean, we, it's very funny because when you, you know, you, the first thing you talk to people about, you know, like buying a gift, 
people don't want stuff they want experiences and they want to they want to have an experience that they'll remember and then you know the irony is is that we just don't don't think about that at at all and then yeah it just you can see how it just sort of keeps going down from that perspective it goes back to the original point you know at the start which was like well people only want to pay for cpd when they get something out of it again transaction they're not going along for this experience and how the experience will change them it's such a I don't know, just, just a little crystallizing point for me to be like, okay, like actually it is all transactional and maybe that is something we need to like highlight and address, like specifically and say, this is a transactional mindset. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to, um, to a colleague recently about this, let's call it, I, I mentioned the word, I said it's a dichotomy within our workplace and, and maybe that's mm. too harsh to say that, but you, you have, so myself as a, as a clinician, I can be a clinician in the clinic or I could be a technician and there can be a big mismatch. So I go into work wanting to be the clinician. I want to think complex thinking, take on board all the information, give somebody the best information, take the next step forward. That's what I want to do in the consult. That's my driver. That's my um, you know, reason to be patient. They might turn up wanting a technician. They've got a sore neck and they need that sore neck to be less sore and they want someone to do something to it. And so immediately there can be that mismatch if I sit down with that patient, go into it as a, as a clinician, thinking we're gonna try and work out you know, a big picture here, we're gonna give you a long-term solution and they, they're not after that, they want the transaction. Hey, I'm here to pay some money, just do what you need to do and then we'll move on. Um, and then that can also extend into my role with my employer, not necessarily, I'm not talking about my current role, but just in general where I want to be the clinician, but they need a technician. They just need somebody to have a busy caseload, mm. bring in the money, keep everyone happy, job done. Whether you become a better clinician or not might be a secondary or even tertiary goal of theirs, but for the clinician, it's the number one thing. So that that can be hard. So I think there needs to be an acknowledgement that there is a transaction, but yeah, maybe we need to find different pathways. And, and, and I guess it comes back to value. And how, you know, if I spend, I was talking to somebody not too long ago who works in the finance industry and the idea of you know spending an hour it's like well that's that's a billable hour you know mm. so, so how do you how do you quantify that and i'm like well no i caught up for a coffee with a friend and that's priceless so you know I, there is no tra hmm. it's not a tra it's not transaction um, I, yes there's a transaction but the value system is not currency it's something else mm -hmm. that compounds yeah. better than money i think anyway mm. Yeah. Well, I, th I think one, one thing you guys do really nicely, and I do enjoy, is this embrace embracing uncertainty, which I think mm. in healthcare we acknowledge, but we don't actually like it. We don't like it at all. <laughs> because we still move back to diagnosis and timeframes and... Uh, okay, we, okay. if physio doesn't work for you, that's fine. We're going to see the sports doc. They'll give us the answer. We'll get an MRI. They'll give us the answer. Mm. We're sort of fighting society in a way and a lot of societal expectations. I'd like to talk about your point about being a clinician. It's funny because you're either a clinician or a technician. And I, I guess I would sort of respectfully disagree um, <laughs> because I think part of um, being a, a clinician is sort of realizing when someone wants a technician 
and sort of being able to be the chameleon in that re- in that respect like there, there, there is that sort of almost you know we've got that dichotomy and i guess that's sort of the the um the interesting that happens things that happens when we dichotomize and, and like i do it all the time as well where you accidentally create these sort of barriers and it's like well actually you know is it are you being a technician if you're listening to someone and you're responding to what their need is and their need in that moment is this but at the same time you know so you are sort of doing all the technical stuff but it's almost like in the way that you do it in the way that you you approach it it creates an atmosphere that allows people to feel like well actually yeah like there is you know if i have a question if something does come up i can have a need and i can express that need and they can address that need and as that need changes uh, or if there's a level of curiosity that comes in because i you know there's so many practices uh, and people that i visited where it's like you don't feel like you know if someone comes in concerned they're gonna listen to the concern or pick up or have an environment it's sort of almost stifling in, in a way so i think it's 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 kind of a good illustration of how like yeah, dichotomies and thinking about experiences and thinking about the fact that we're biological entities that 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 aren't going to operate like in, in specific ways but does have patterns we can start to start to figure out how to create an experience yeah i was just gonna that's what popped into my brain was coming back to this knowing that people actually do want an experience and even if they're coming in going you know I had someone the other day who's literally like I just need you to you know do manual work um and you know we followed that but I suppose you could argue the experience I created was one that would have been different to the manual work they'd have before because of the inquiry or the coming to their body in a different way rather than talking about the weather or me you know asking about you know their narratives and where they've come from around you know, thinking that they're, they're, you know, I've got one guy who literally is like, I just see an image of my back, you know, being not aligned. Like, and we talked about the image, you know, and I was like, oh, where'd that come from? You know, that's really interesting. And like, you know, if you think about that, it's pretty distressing to have an image like that pop in and that you want, you know, there's an urgency around needing it to be, you know, I suppose it's, it's that commitment to creating an experience for someone that doesn't have to be ones that they've had before and that's probably inherently true because we're different people that are going to create different experiences with people we'd like we talked i think in a couple of our other podcasts alex like around we're not trying to create the same thing over and over again um Mm. like we actually can't each moment has to be different but we've we've been kind of taught or it's been embedded that that's what we're we're trying to do is is create this experience for people every time that has very similar um similar parts to it because again that's outcome and that's value um but i think that's where i kind of sit in that gray is that i'll meet someone there and go right how can i how can i bring curiosity and non-judgment and just a sense of inquiry into this space and they might leave and never come back and never want hands on again but i can kind of sit in that and go okay i think i created an experience for them um that you know might contribute to somewhere down the line a shift mm. or or something i'm just thinking about a comedian that i was that i saw he was like he's he just said he hated doing um he hated doing big shows where he came to canberra and he's like i always love coming to canberra because it's like we have nowhere big enough um that makes it like an arena style and he's like there's a backwards and forwards there's a responding to the audience there's a 
you know, he's just like, great, you're like, we're just going to, you know, have like a, you know, poo joke that just goes all the way through and everyone's responding to it. It's like, great, but there's like, there's, it's funny because we have a performative element to it, to that transaction. Okay, we've got to perform, we've got to create the same experience, right? Like a Disney-esque, like we're creating the exact same thing over and over in manufacturing, Mm. but like in reality, we're much more like the comedian where we can have a set show, we can have a set up, how you deliver it, how you respond. I'm going to skip this bit. I'm going to do this bit. We're going to chat about this a bit more. Um, you know, it, it's it's so much more about that side of things than it is like this manufactured sort of like show um, mm. where everyone hits their beat at exactly the same time. Some cool points you're making. I, I agree with what you were saying before about about the technician, and I, and I, I, I think that you're right. I think one of the... the arguments you see commonly on let's say social media is this um let's say the the role of manual therapy is the, is the basic the simple one where it gets it gets um you know if, depends which side of the fence you want to sit on if there is a, an actual fence but any but i guess you, you're right that, that sometimes you need to provide that technical within the room the, the realm of a more complex uh, thing so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So when I was saying the dichotomy, no, it's not necessarily one or the other. I completely agree with what you're saying there, Alex. That, that I think, but being aware that sometimes you're going to go down this path to step towards the patient, and Ooh. I have my goals and my my system of, of being and how I want to be as a clinician. But in order to help this relationship foster, I'm going to step towards you. I'm going to come towards you, and we're going to build some trust. And if it means that we're going to spend the first couple of sessions doing things that the literature might not support long term that's okay because we're we're, we're mm. taking step one so i think that's um but unfortunately the, well, i shouldn't say unfortunately is there a place for that for that process to be supported not always not always if you come from some of the, the more common education out there that it gets kind of said no you don't do that because that's not what clinicians do um, mm. so so i think you make a really really good point and then what came to mind as you're talking about um, kit and, and, and both of you, Alex, the having to do something a little bit different each time. I guess it's like a winemaker, right? The winemaker has, they've got the tools, they've got the science and the understanding, but, well, let's see what the weather brings this year. Let's see what, what happens. Let's see what the soil gives us this year. And there is an element of uncertainty. We're just going to barrel it and then we'll taste it and then we'll make it work. And because it's okay, because that's that's just, it's, it's too, too many variables. Too many things are out of our control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still know what I'm doing and I'm still going to provide a service and you know, it's still transactional because you'll still buy that bottle of wine, but there's an understanding that this might be a little bit different and a bit quirky this year and it might not be exactly like it was before, but still. Um, and I think this is the, the beauty of our profession now that's moving away from pain reduction or pain cessation. You know, the, the fact that we've taken that away from our number one thing we always do mm. means we can be more... Um, flavorsome and colorful in, in the things we offer our clients and and you know we'll all have patients that we really get along with and they feel a lot of value for coming to see us and we feel that we help them a lot has the pain changed it de- depends how you ask that question and how you want to value that that process but but we still help them and i think that's that i think Anyway, my point being is that we probably it'd be nice to, to chat to a winemaker and get their their thoughts on the process. Or and in your in, to follow on from what you said, a comedian and, and what is that process like? What's the psychology in a, in a comedian's mind when they're reading the room and getting the sense of how jokes are resonating and having to quickly adjust? It would be fascinating. But that like that's creativity to me. Like that is 
for me, that's the creative nourishing piece around the work. And I think that the way that we can read a room, pull ideas together, figure out about when to meet them, where they are, when to, you know, ask if we can drop a little info in and see how they respond. I think this is this is the creativity work. And I think it is, I find it fun because of the uncertainty part, because no one's going to say, oh, this is how they're going to respond. Like there's not a certainty around it. There is a possibility there. Um, and if I can, again, show up and commit to however they respond with more curiosity and non-judgment, then we've got another opportunity to be creative. And I think what I love about kind of that being embedded more and more in my practice is that it opens up space for their creativity or the part of them that is in, that is like energised by seeing something differently or by putting disparate ideas together. And, you know, their, I find their parts come out that are have probably been hidden in a healthcare, um, you know, um, interaction before. And then you could argue they leave feeling humanised in a way because we've humanised ourselves in the process. And I think that's just such a beautiful part of the work. Um, and I think, again, you know, amongst everything else, like we said in the learning, that could be something that we could nurture and value and protect and and see as inherently um nourishing for us in the way we work um yeah i think yeah that's what i think that's what i think <laughs> just in case you didn't realize that's what we i can't, think we can't tell when you put your mute on as, as much as john so like you can't just be like yeah, there we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right i need my own mic drop i uh, you know the nice thing about you this con concept of uncertainty and and yeah. people like like you both who bring it up into the into the ether you know put it out there in the in the health space and and also like today was this morning a colleague uh, of, of uh, kid and out tn he said through a, an article by rod whiteley who heads up the aspatar team um, in, in doha which is on the concept of uncertainty it's a, it's a fascinating little um little article that is that is written on, on his uh, thoughts around around uncertainty what I love about that, and maybe this is probably the next bit that we'd probably need to explore and be comfortable with, is that if you have uncertainty, then you know what? Failure's there. It's, mm. it's always there. But as soon as you acknowledge there's uncertainty, then failure goes, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, just remember I'm here and mm. I can I can be part of this. As, oh, well, I am part of this. But that's an area that, that I find probably the biggest challenge to, to deal with when, when talking to patients about uncertainty and being uh, maybe a little bit ambiguous with with what the prognosis might be or what the plan might mm. be i don't i'm still trying to figure out a good way of exploring that with my patients and talking yeah. about it i can do it retrospectively quite comfortably because oh, yeah. that's that's old john that's not that's not current john that's somebody else uh you know you put it up on the tv screen and you put it onto black and white and you take all the emotion mm. out of it and you can kind of see it play by play when it's in your With face. classical music in the background. Classical music, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, that uh, creeping up on you music as well. It's a bit daunting. Um, <laughs> so so that's that's probably an area that with this com the conversations you guys have about slowing down and reflection and uncertainty, that's probably an area that interests me, scares me, but also interests me of exploring. What, what does that look like? What does exploring some failure look like? And mm. at what point do you put your hand up and go, yep. Because um, you still have to, you still you still take it on you say oh i failed i dropped the ball we have these two you know because it's as a clinician is there space for me to say oh well shit happens 
Like, mm. because it's, we acknowledge it's so complex and there's so much uncertainty, but I still try and find, well, where's the fault? Where did I not complete the rehab program? Where did the patient not follow the guidelines of the, what we said? Where did I not write the letter to the right consultant? Um, that's that's a tricky a tricky thing that I think hmm. can lend itself to then just ignoring and not talking about. Hmm. Definitely, and I think I know we're at the fifty six minute mark, which is we generally drop pretty big themes with four minutes to go. But I think, you know, that... Um, and then but never that follow sense, up on them. No, <laughs> even though we promised to. Um, but that sense of, like, you know, perfectionism or being, you know, really uncomfortable with failure, you know, and, you know, where that lives from a emotional point of view. So if we're bringing in, you know, shame, um, even just talking about shame versus guilt, you know, like shame being I am bad and guilt being, like, I'm a good person and I made a mistake... You know, but again, like you said, these are concepts and themes that have not really been started to be discussed yet. Um, you know, they're starting to be discussed in the wider world, but where is it specifically being brought into into healthcare, and 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 that as an experience to sit with, um, you know, is again another step into complexity uh, because it's going to be highly uncomfortable. And do we have the skills to sit with it in a way that's actually healthy, or are we going to re? Um, what's the word, um, like reinforce it purely by how someone might share something vulnerably and then how it's met in the room might reinforce it and might not come up again, you know. So I think, um, like you said, there's complexity there and nuance, but I think we can sense that there's conversations that need to be themes that probably need to start being unearthed a little bit more. The, the idea of failure, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking, because that is that... Is this transactional situation phenomenon that we have, is that part of the reason that if I acknowledge failure, then I've failed that transaction and then you know, someone's paid money for this. Hmm. So if I'm a builder, someone's going to come after me if I failed. They want you know, reimburse some sort of compensation. And in, in healthcare, that doesn't exist. Rightly so, I think. Rightly so. But is that part of the, the, the challenge? You know, because I was thinking, like, I, I, I love football, soccer. And in, in sports, failure is just what happens. Like, there's a famous mm. Michael Jordan commercial where he talks about all his failures, all the missed shots and all the times he's failed, and that's what made him a champion. And we look at athletes and we're like, that's what made them. We want that hero narrative. We want them to fall, crumble, and then rise up. But as a healthcare practitioner, there's, that narrative does not exist. Because if you mm. fall and trip, you're out the door. Hmm. And and you know and and I think these type of conversations that you guys have and are fostering, I think is hopefully just kind of reminding people that we're yes we're health health healthcare practitioners but we're humans and humans go through these you know these archetypal narratives, and we do trip and we fall, and hmm. and I remember uh, years ago listening to a lecture by Jack Cornfield who's um, I haven't listened to for ages, but the name stuck with me because I listened to all these. He's, he's a psychologist and a Buddhist monk, and, and he was talking about failure. It was the concept of failure. And it was the first time I, I kind of thought of it this way. And he was saying how when you're a toddler, you're given right to fail. Everyone expects you to fail. So little babies starting to walk and they stack it. Oh, he nearly got up. She nearly got up. Did you see that? 
they took a step. We're calling that walking. They took two steps, that's walking. Well done, you're walking now. And everyone gives you support. You get the village to come around to support you. Everyone's so happy to see you stumble, literally. Hmm. And then you age a little bit and it's like, oh no, that you're not allowed to fail now. Now you just got to get it. What do you mean you can't read? What do you mean you didn't get an A plus in that exam? No, mm. no, you get a and and that starts pretty young, and, and this is well beyond. You know, if, can we wrap this this concept up into <laughs> in a couple of minutes? But my point is that within physio, when we're mentoring younger clinicians, you know that that's why I was so intrigued to hit, listen to your conversation with them. It's like all these themes come up, and mm. so being a little bit older now, Alex, coming back to the, the point you made, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more comfortable with those little failures and reflecting and going, okay, I can fail, I can make mistakes, I can err. But it's, that's not me as a whole. That's just one mm. element. Whereas when I was younger, if I failed, I was crippled. It was like done. Mm. It's interesting because it's almost like in a way, the way that I sometimes think about it, when someone comes in with a problem, so much of it is about us having a relationship and figuring things out. And, you know, it's interesting because we talk about, like you talk about a builder and it's, you know, you can have this plan and idea and, but, you know, we had someone come in and install dimmers on all of our light switches. And we're like, okay. And then he's like, he's like, oh, half the lights that you actually have are mismatched. <laughs> like, they're not the same. They don't, some of them don't dim. And so he's like, okay, so now we've discovered this. Like, are you happy if we go ahead with actually now replacing a whole bunch of the lights? And it wasn't a mistake. It was like a discovery. And I think that's kind of, mm. it sort of comes in a way of like fostering. I, I think part of the problem is there's always going to be people that expect a transaction and they're always hard and I think you, you try the best to, to talk through but I think most people and I see this a lot there's a side of podiatry which is essentially just you know cutting people's nails and getting rid of corns and callus and 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 that sort of thing and there's a huge amount of people that will continue they've followed me over like many different clinics and like I don't even tell them where I'm going like <laughs> they just they're just like I found you um <laughs> That's literally how the phone call goes. It's like they're a game. Them. Yeah, no, I'm serious. There's a whole bunch of them. Where Tag. They'll call. No, I've got, I've got voicemails. I've got recorded voicemails of patients being like, I found you. Can't get rid of me yet. And I'm, and it's because we have this relationship. And it's not because I'm doing something technically better, but because we have this relationship where we figured out, oh, actually, that's that's what you need. That's that's the mm. thing. that, that and, and it wasn't the case of that we did something wrong to start with. It was just the case of, oh, actually your you know you prefer your nails this way or like you've had this problem before so i know to check for it um and just it's literally just the relationship and they just kind of go oh i'm just not willing to invest in another relationship with someone else for them to learn my body and what's happening and what we're doing and how we best handle this like I'm, I'm, i've had my relationship with you i don't want to stick with you and i think that's maybe an undervalued just sort of part of it in the same way you know i've got patients you know who just go doing their rehab and they're just like they just keep breaking down and it's like we just we just keep learning different finding different parts of you as we're reloading them as we're getting them to run as we're getting them to jump we're just finding bits that we go well this is different than we expected and that's that's okay and we've just got to shift shift that expectation but it's it's not i say this it's not easy but it's like when you take that view it becomes a bit easier to discuss that with your patients i think yeah i've got this image of a new patient coming into your room, sitting down, and you're saying, oh, okay, well, welcome, Mr. Jones. And then he rips off a mask, kind of like Scooby-Doo, <laughs> to reveal an old patient that you thought... Mrs. Davis! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Found you. <laughs> so good. Can I just say, though, I love that reframe discovery, Alex. Um, I love that because what popped up as well when you said that word was those moments where I'm intentionally going to bring into the room, it might be a client I've seen on and off for years, but I've evolved and I've discovered more things about myself or I've discovered a new way of looking at manual therapy or, you know, all the things and how I can actually speak to my discovery of self and how I've shifted in a way that's not like shame based, but is actually kind of acknowledging that I've actually grown and I've stumbled and I've, but I've discovered this new thing. And, you know, like being able to model or even bring that into the the space is my evolution and my shifting. Um, And from that place of like curiosity and like, but also acknowledging how it impacted in the past. You know, I do that quite a lot with people is like chat about how my different view five years ago you know, um, impacted people in perhaps not the best way or, you know, how can we learn from that? And I think that I've seen, I've, I've seen people who have followed me as well. And what we've done is they've shifted their worldview around pain as I've shifted mine because of the relationship, I'd argue. Um, and their willingness, you know, and I appreciate their willingness to, to be open to maybe, you know, um, contributing to our dialogue on how we're both discovering new and different things, you know, and I think that, again, could be an undervalued um, quality of a good, of a, you know, a decent healthcare practitioner is, yes, they're open and humble and fallible when they're on social media and trying to teach and stuff, but how are we with our clients? If we see people over 10 years or 15 years, do we bring that shift and change into the room? Um, And how can that actually strengthen a relationship, even though it's scary and a bit uncertain and shit we treated you with this one view for five years and now we're actually going to go well maybe that's that actually wasn't that helpful you know how can we update what we're doing yeah i think people i think we think that people will not value the discovery Mm. but i think i always constantly reframe it as being like we know this now We've learned this about you, you know, we can, and, and providing them with that being like, hmm, okay, so what have we've learned all of this about you? And I, you know, that kind of sucks. It didn't go the way that we wanted, but like, this is valuable information that's going to help us mm. potentially not stumble further forward. And I think that's potentially one place where, where people maybe under, underexplored because mm. failure can be something where it's like, well, we've failed, we haven't achieved what we want to, and that's it, and we've got to start again, where failure can be, in a way, a learning opportunity, and we go, what did we learn from this? What have we taken from this? Great. And it sort of does feel like steps going forward, whereas if we treat failure like, well, we, it didn't happen and we did something wrong, we, we, we fail to learn. But uh, I, say, I say all of this like I'm, we're also going to start another discussion, but we are well, well over... I can see John leaning in and I'm just like, oh, how do I, like, I'm the one who usually has to, has to wrap these things up. Kit's not going. I know. I'm always leaning in. John and I are both just uh, getting closer and closer to the screen here. Well, um, I'll give, I'll, I'll give, I'll give John the opportunity. Any, any final, any final thoughts? You don't have to. I might've read your body language wrong, but any final thoughts before we. He's now got one hand on his hip. So he's kind of in like maybe final mode. Maybe. I don't know. His lips are like pressed together. Yeah. The weird thing about uh, being on 
on this chat here is that I can see you know, this is the thing about Zoom. You finally see yourself, how, your mannerisms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon that you know, no previous generation had to deal with. But, uh, <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Final, uh, I, I love the idea of discovery. I think I think mm. lawyers use that term. <laughs> when they kind of find out what the other team has, isn't that when they go yeah. through that process? Just and then yeah, it gives them more information. So I think, you know, I, th I think that's great. I think the idea. I think patients who have had multiple exposures to health professionals and it hasn't gone the way they'd like, I think they'd probably be the ones where would appreciate that approach. Mm. Uh, I, you know, at least that's my experience. Those patients, I like that concept. I think uh, the idea of embracing. Uh, and uncertainty is, is is a challenge. That's probably my take home, and I'm still I'm, I'm I've, mm. I say that I'm still learning, but I'm not, I don't even know if I really understand uncertainty. I think that's how uncertain I am about it. Um, but uh, I enjoy I enjoy this conversation. It's been been great. You've got me thinking, and I probably I'll, later I'll go for a run and some other. Kind, so I think we'll probably continue this conversation through a few messages later on. Cool. Always, always space for post reflection reflection reflections. Um, <laughs> I, John, where, where, where do people find you? Oh, sorry, I'm going to wrap up now. This is yeah, I know. I was about to appreciate John's presence on our in our podcast home. Um, uh, really appreciate it, John. Um, so much. I love. I mean, we connect on storytelling. We could sit there for two hours and just storytell. Um, but I really appreciate how you mix the storytelling with the clinical and the reflection and. Um, always your humility comes through uh, every time we talk and it's just something that continually impresses on me so I love the fact that we could find time to do this and um, yeah let's let's do it again one day be great thank you hmm. you're gonna nourish uh, John where I was just going to make sure that he nourish his his projects by getting him to tell tell us where people can find him where they can follow him Get transactional. Join the physio shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get yeah. Transactional yeah. value. Uh, yes. You can, you can find me on social media. Uh, JohnContreras.physio is, is my handle. Uh, website's the same, JohnContreras.physio. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm here in Melbourne, but uh, happy to chat to anyone. If they want to reach out, send me a, send me a message and I'm sure we can tee something up. Uh, and the social club, you can find it on uh, at Physio Social Club. On, on Insta and Facebook, and there's also the website physiosocialclub.com. Um, it's getting towards the end of the year, but I think we'll, we'll probably try and squeeze in one more little event, and then there'll be a whole bunch of other stuff kicking off next year, both of those in Melbourne to do face-to-face, -face, uh, like formal events, but also there's lots of informal stuff if you want to reach out to any of us based uh, in Melbourne. Uh, and then also there's the podcast, if you're interested, where we have much briefer conversations than this. Uh, well, I had to cut one off really, really sharply the other day, and I, it still bothers me how quickly I cut it off at the 30-minute mark. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, we talk about a few different things. That The last conversation we had was on the overseas experience and what, you know, the pros and cons and what life is like as a, as a health practitioner heading overseas and, and trying out a new culture and a new lifestyle. So that's the kind of stuff we'll talk about. Um, so you can check us out. We're on Spotify. Beautiful. Cool. You're very good at that. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> He's well practiced. Um, uh, where can people find me? I'm uh, wisephysiotherapy.com.au, uh, Wise Physiotherapy on Facebook, and Wise Ways Kit on Insta for some haiku magic. I am not on TikTok. Nope. 
Alex, <laughs> where can people yes. find you? The Rehab Podiatrist everywhere. Rehabpodiatrist.com.au. Rehabpodiatrist on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok. I have to be the Rehab Pod on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Now they didn't allow me to do that. So. And that's podiatrist, not mm. podcast. <laughs> yes. Even though you have a podcast. <laughs> it's the Rehab Dietist podcast. Oh, okay. Rehab Pod Pod. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. I'm just going to try it out. Okay. Bye-bye.